and welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. We're a podcast for cool people who love libraries where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oakland Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hello, my name is Heather Field. I use she, her pronouns. I am the library director at the Ashaway Free Library, and I've been here living my best life for the last 23 years. Greetings. My name is Amy Forbes. I'm the Community Services Librarian at the Cross Mills Public Library. I am a little bit of everything, but mostly I facilitate programming and getting information and education out to our community. I use she, her pronouns. All right. Thank you both for joining us. Uh, I'm especially excited about this episode today because this is our countdown to comic-con episode as we're recording this san diego comic-con will be this coming weekend and i'm sure they're going to announce a bunch of amazing stuff so we'll talk a little bit later in the show about what we're excited to come out of san diego comic-con as well as um, our own experiences uh attending different fan conventions but before we get into that let's start off as we always do with what have you been reading This is a question that is newly extra fun for me because as strange as it sounds for a librarian, for many years, I did not make time to read. Um, So this year, with the help of a coloring tracker where I color a square every day that I read 20 pages, um, I am on track to read probably close to 90 or 100 books this year. So I have so many question it's it's been it's amazing what coloring something in and like not wanting that little white square to show can do for you um or for me anyway um so what I'm reading right now and I can't say that I'm enjoying it but I can say that I would recommend it which I know sounds bizarre but I'm reading what we don't talk about when we talk about fat um by the LGBTQ Um, and anti-fat bias activist, Aubrey Gordon. Um, She's known on social media as Your Fat Friend. uh, And she has the podcast Maintenance Phase, which is kind of aimed at debunking um, junk science around health and wellness and fitness and weight and all of that. Uh, it's, It's absolutely fascinating to read. It's, it's a very new way of looking at well, probably not a new way for people that live the life. She she identifies as a what she calls a very fat person um, and talks a lot about her experiences as such, um, experiences in public, experiences um, traveling, experiences in the grocery store. Um, also in the book debunks a lot of science around weight loss and health and fitness and things like that. And it's just, it's been really, really eye-opening Um for me, uh, as what she would term, I am what is termed in the book as a small fat, (laughs) um, which is a person who's kind of like just in the lower end of the plus size range versus being a straight size person. Um, And uh, it's it's made me so aware, even since we're gonna be talking about media, media that I'm consuming, like we were just watching the first Jurassic Park movie this weekend. And the character um, who is kind of like the deceptive one with the sloppy workstation and pigging out on junk food is, of course, played by an extremely overweight actor. And I'm like, I wonder if they crafted his character around his appearance after they selected him as an actor or if they selected him as an actor based on how the character is described in the script or something like that. But it's it's so it's so eye opening and so heartbreaking. And just um, I'm glad to have the information, but it's not an easy read. Um, I do I do recommend it for anybody that's interested in any of those topics, but it's, it's short and I'm glad because it's a little bit tough going. I just wanted to jump in to say that I love Maintenance Phase, so I definitely have to check out her book because the podcast, and I've talked about it on the show before, it is blown how I think about like health and wellness wide open. And so... I've given it as a recommendation before, but again, my resounding recommendation to go listen to the Maintenance Fade podcast. Oh, fantastic. I appreciate that because I have not listened to the podcast. I've only just discovered Aubrey Gordon. So so I'll definitely be checking that out next. All right, Amy, what have you been reading? I just finished a book that I really enjoyed and I've been recommending it to everyone except Heather. 
for a particular reason. It's called Nettle and Bone, and it's T, I believe the author is T. Kingfisher. It's a pseudonym, but for an author who writes fantasy and horror, and I'm not giving anything away by saying the book opens with the main character sitting in a bone pit, wiring together bones to make a dog, which is why I did not recommend it to Heather, because we do not do sensitive animal topics particularly well. But in this case, the dog is already dead and she brings it back to life. But the reason why I love this book is because when I was a little kid, I was drawn to the really grim section of fairy tales that we had in my elementary school library. The books were all from the 60s, 70s, before a lot of stuff kind of got weeded out for gruesome details and such. And this brought me right back to my childhood of that there's the story of the wild swans where... Uh, the princess has to weave shirts out of nettles that she's collected from a graveyard where there are ghouls on the tombstones watching her. And it put me right back into the elementary school library. And what I love about it is the dark fantasy elements, but also the protagonist is a really fantastic fantasy heroine. She's not it's a very common trope to have not the prettiest, not the smartest, but in actuality, they're very good looking and they're very intelligent or incredibly lucky. And they have some sort of magical attribute that sees them through anyway. Whereas Mara, the protagonist in Nettle and Bone, just has this dogged determination. There are several, several times uh, situations come up where her attitude is essentially, this is going to suck but I'm the only person who can do it, so I've got to do it. And it was a very refreshing. Two of her traveling companions are old women, which is all, they have a fantastic relationship with one another. The dialogue is very snappy. It's just the whole thing has this sense of wryness to it, and it has a happy ending. So what more could you ask for in a dark fantasy novel about nettles and bones? <laughs> Seems like... Uh, this the kind of protagonist that you're talking about is um, kind of like part of T. Kingfisher's style because I've read, uh, oh, geez, it has a really long title now. I can't remember. Um, I think it's called A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking. Yes, I bought that for my library. Yeah, so I read that fairly recently. I would say maybe this past fall or winter um but in the protagonist was very similar in that story is yeah she was kind of just in an average baker like an average girl who um who works at a bakery that her aunt and uncle own and has baking magic which in her up until the events of the book I don't want to give too much away she was just using to like make gingerbread come to life and make sure that the bread isn't stale and stuff like that like so when she's called to kind of like a greater calling she's at first she's kind of just like what am I supposed to do to help all I do is like make dough magical like but the only thing I can influence with my magic is baked goods how am I gonna help save our kingdom I love um, I haven't read it yet, but I love the premise enough to put it in the shopping cart. And I got the, why are we buying this? Because it looks fun. <laughs> no, it was fun. I think it was a, I think it would be a nice addition to uh, to a YA collection because that's kind of was it who it was aimed towards. I don't know about Nettle and Bone, but this one was definitely like a, a young adult audience. Um, and yeah, it kind of had like, like you said, the wit and stuff kind of I felt like had like a almost like Terry Pratchett yes vibe like yeah. fantasy that doesn't take itself too seriously um so yeah for people who like that kind of fantasy I think it it definitely fills that niche you can almost feel the author smiling if you're reading the text aloud in your head you know the prose between the dialogue even has wit to it and I love that Anything that combines food and magic is really cool in my book. I love all of those types of movies like um, Woman on Top and Chocolat, the, the book and film of that. Anything anything where you're weaving magic and food together ends up being super fun. The Peculiar Sadness of Lemon Cake was a weird read. That one, you find out 
this family has each member going back through generations has had some sort of strange quirk and the protagonist can taste the feelings of the person who made the food she's eating. So her mother makes her a lemon cake and when she eats it, she feels overwhelming sadness. But that one, it had a great premise and a terrible ending. So I wouldn't recommend it (laughs) unless you want to read the first half because it's magic food. And she goes, there's a fun montage where her friend's bringing her like, well, here's a bagel from this cafe and here's soup from the place across the street to see what the protagonist can experience through it. I'm an endings person, so I think I'll probably end up skipping that one. All right. I don't blame you. I'm just thinking about having that magical power, though. Like you go out to eat at a restaurant and then like the waiter's like, how is everything going over here? Good. And you're just like, is the cook okay? Yeah. Like, are they okay? Uh, <laughs> Can you just tell them to have a nice day from me personally? <laughs> from me personally. It's it's so true. I feel like I may have overindulged in that type of media with that particular theme because I don't enjoy cooking or baking. Um, but one year for, I'm not sure what reason, I invited my mother over to have Easter with me and my husband and decided I was going to make the ham and all of the things by myself, including Martha Stewart's macaroni and cheese which involves making a roux, which I feel like is the 10th circle of hell. I never want to make a roux again. Um, Like, I just, I don't like when recipes have instructions like stir until thick. Well, how thick? Thicker than it is now? Toothpaste thickness? Like, I don't, that's not specific enough for me. So I was just really angry the whole time I was cooking. And I honestly kept having in the back of my mind, like, am I poisoning my family with my rage? Like, when they eat this food, are they going to get sick? (laughs) But you already wrote that book. Very true. (laughs) So to kind of take it back a little bit to reading nonfiction, which I don't usually do, um, I started reading a book called 52 Ways to Walk. Um, I just bought it for my library. And then when it came in, I had just started waking up early to go for a morning walk every morning. Um, which I'm always happy I've done afterwards, but when I'm laying in bed and the alarm is going off, I'm just like, no. Um, so, but I was interested when it came, like when we it finally arrived at the library, I'm like, oh, you know, I just started walking and um, it's also kind of close to my birthday. So the book is set up to give you like a new type of thing to do every week for 52 weeks of the year. So I was like, oh, I'll read this book. I've already kind of started on this walking endeavor. I can read this book, find out what all the themes are for the week. And like by my next birthday, I will maybe have done them all. Um, even though there's some of them that I'm like, uh, like the author talks about the benefits of like walking in extreme temperatures, like in cold when there's wind and stuff. And I'm like, I'm sure all of this is true, but like, nah. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I still, like- it's been interesting to get some in, like ideas to not make every walk, you know, the same. I like the idea of walking in extreme cold because then it feels like a fight. Like I'm putting on my coat now. I'm putting on my boots. I've got a scarf. I'm walking. I'm in a Jack London story. Whereas in the summertime, it's just like, I want to die. Yes, I agree. And I totally, it's funny that you mentioned Jack London, Amy, because I have actually, so I've been, I'm not going to go on too much of a tangent about this because I could talk about it all day, but I've been attending compassion classes with this woman called Julia Ferdal. Um, and the second part of that was um, different like mindfulness techniques and things about like how, you know, employing gratitude and reframing things. Um, and that's something I don't mind cold weather anyway, but on the days when I was walking my dog and it was particularly inclement outside, I started, I would think that I'd be like, this is so cool. I'm, you know, in a polar adventure film and I'm stomping my way through the crunchy snow and the wind is like blowing. And um, it's amazing how when you fire up your imagination, (laughs) you can sort of uh, uh, recast things in a different light. Um, And eventually, you know, you, you can, your, your brain changes, your mind really changes. I'm uh, I've gotten super into positive neuroplasticity um, as a result of my compassion training, because a lot of it has to do with 
really changing how your brain works on that fundamental level. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's a long way from where we started out from weather. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that's okay. But, and that's, maybe I will, because I am definitely more of a warmer weather person than a colder weather person. And so most of the time when I am going on walks in colder weather, because I know that it's good for me to get, you know, exercise, all I'm thinking is like words you can't say on radio or <laughs> podcast. Um, so maybe I should try to think of it in like, yeah, a more imaginative light and maybe that'll make it more positive for me. <laughs> make it an adventure. Yes. Well, besides reading, have either of you been watching anything interesting? I started Green, The Green Planet, which is the latest David Attenborough documentary on PBS. And I am a, you could call it a plant enthusiast, but my friends think it's an illness. Uh, my houseplant collection is extensive and mostly thriving. So that's, I love any of those documentaries. They're just so beautiful. And the sound quality and the images of the new camera techniques and technology that they invent specifically for these programs is incredible. And I'm also frantically trying to catch up on all of the shows I didn't realize had restarted. So I managed to get in two episodes of What We Do in the Shadows last night, which I fell into accidentally. And now I can't imagine life without it. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so absurd and profane and yet very heartfelt underneath it's it's the strange balance but i absolutely love it yeah we've been we've been watching a lot recently actually there's so much good content um for the discerning nerd right now um <laughs> we uh we loved the new obi-wan series um on disney plus we had a great time watching that um, we just finished up Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is just like, if you're a Star Trek fan at all, is really like a magnificent combination of like that old school Trek vibe um, with kind of like a more modern sensibility. The characters um, are fantastic. The stories are fantastic. And we're really excited for the next season of that, whenever that may, may come. Um, and then we just finished up Ms. Marvel. Um, which if you haven't seen that, I'd highly recommend that. It was fun. It was moving. It was exciting. And I just, I loved the community that it set in. I loved learning more um, about Muslim culture, about history, about partition. I didn't know anything about partition um, before we watched that show. So that's, those are the shows we've been, we just finished working our way through all of those. I say we, that's my husband and I. Um, and now we're doing uh, a review of all the Jurassic Park slash world films to get ready to see Dominion. We haven't seen that yet. Um, and uh, I don't know how, how other people do it, but you know, I know there are people who don't want to rewatch anything ever. There's too much content. I don't want to rewatch anything. When I'm engaging with things I love, I love to revisit them. I always find new layers and stuff. So we're just, we also just redid, we saw the, the brand new Spider-Man movie. Um, and then we did, we went back and watched, you know, the Tobey Maguire films, the Andrew Garfield films, um, and the first couple of Tom Holland films because, and then we just watched the newest one again last night. Um, and what an, what an extra level of like impact everything had in that, in that last film, going back and revisiting the earlier films. Anybody who enjoyed the Spider-Man movie and kind of, you know, thinks they felt all the feels or knew all the things I would, I would recommend if you're at all inclined going back to the beginning and watching them all um, from jump, because we got, we got a lot more out of it. I think definitely doing it that way. So speaking of rewatching things and new things coming out, um, I started watching Umbrella Academy from the beginning with my mom. Uh, my mom and I don't, we see each other like once, twice a week. Um, so we don't get through things terribly quickly. Um, but so it's possible that my boyfriend and I might watch season three before my mom and I get to it. But I haven't quite decided yet because I kind of am enjoying rewatching the first season. One, I like rewatching things with someone who's never seen it before because I'm always like I'm sitting there the whole time just like looking at them like 
this thing is going to happen. What are you going to think about it? But also it's been nice because there were things that as I'm watching, I'm like, wait, is this the episode where this happens? It just at least the first season. But I think even the second season too. Umbrella Academy is just like very fast moving. And it's nice to kind of get a refresher of where they came from before watching the new season. That kind of ties into the theme of leading up to Comic-Con because it's fun to enjoy media that you already love with other people whether they're new fans or people who have no interaction with it. I used to go to midnight premieres when that was a thing. So I have fond memories of getting to the Warwick Showcase Cinema at nine o'clock at night so we could get in line for the midnight showing of the, the latest Lord of the Rings installment. It would always coincide with our winter break in college or, or just, be, sorry, exams. It coincided with exams because we would all have piles of books to, uh, I'm making air quotes, study while we're waiting <laughs> in line. But the energy that you got from a premiere showing was just phenomenal. And of course, they kind of did away with the midnight shows. They started doing the Thursday releases. And then COVID, of course, there were no film experiences at all. And the closest thing I've come to that Well, actually, I haven't come into anything close to that since COVID. I mentioned earlier, I don't like big crowds of people, but being in a theater where everybody is a diehard fan and has done this stupid thing of staying up till dumb o'clock to watch a new movie, (laughs) I just have some really fantastic memories of that. And the last time I felt that in the theater was Endgame and Infinity War. They, They weren't... I didn't get to go on premiere days, but I was still early enough in the week where the theater was all people who were thoroughly invested in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and just the energy that you get from something like that, where you're laughing at the same in-jokes that other people are laughing at, or cheering triumphantly, or something happens that everybody just is so pumped about. And that, I think, really ties into going to uh, or the con experience. Yeah, definitely. Like you talking about waiting in line made me think of like, I jokingly say about making line friends at cons. Like if you're waiting for a panel that is has a super long line, um, all the people around you, you end up talking to and you make line friends. And then if you see them later at the con, sometimes you're like, hey, hello, we met in line. And even one of my favorite con experiences actually happened in line. Uh, This was at Rhode Island Comic Con. I don't remember what year. I was cosplaying Black Widow and my mom was cosplaying Maria Hill. And a Spider-Man came up to us and he was like, hey, can I rescue you? And we were, at first I was like, what? I, like, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. And he's like, you know, like pick you up, like I'm rescuing you. And then I was like, I'm good. But my mom, for whatever reason, the spirit moved her and she was like, sure, you can pick me up. And the Spider-Man picked my mom up. He got the picture. And then like, yeah, it was just very funny that that's, I think the Spider-Man was asking, but I don't know if my mom was the person that he was hoping was going to say yes, (laughs) I guess is, is how I'll end that story. Um, but yeah, I still think about that. And it was just, it was just so funny. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. Do you enjoy knitting or crocheting? Join us at the Auburn branch every Monday at 2 p.m. for their knitting and crochet circle. Work on a project, get help with something new, or knit for a charity cause. Knitters and crocheters of all levels of experience are invited to join. No registration required. For questions, email auburn at cranstonlibrary.org. If you're participating in the 2022 Adult Summer Reading Program, the activity code for listening to the podcast is CHAPTER. Again, that activity code is CHAPTER. And if you're not playing along, join the fun at cranstonlibrary.beanstack.com and be sure to drink your Ovaltine. I guess this segues us into Comic-Con. Sorry, Heather, what were you going to say? 
I was just thinking about like when Amy was saying, you know, it, it is such a vibe. I have also attended midnight releases for the book for the for the last Harry Potter book. When that came out, I went to like a Harry Potter party and, um, you know, we all stayed there and they had our we had pre-ordered our books. and Everybody got in line. And I remember getting home and my husband and I just sat in the dark in the car because we had gotten the audiobook. So we're just sitting there in the car listening to like the first <laughs> half hour of the book in the pitch dark in our yard because we just couldn't tear ourselves away. Um, and even things like as frustrating as it is trying to get tickets to some of the, the last Star Wars films that came out that had big theater releases and just being sitting there like at midnight with my eyes all bleary and pressing refresh and pressing refresh and pressing refresh and being like kind of angry, but also like super excited because thousands of other like nerds all over America were like sitting in their little, you know, at their desk, pressing refresh over and over again to hoping they had these tickets for opening night. And, um, it is, it's, it's in all its formats is there's like this really cool sense of community and camaraderie and, and that shared love. Yeah. I'm trying to think, cause I rarely ever went to midnight premieres. Cause like there was this nice, kind of window of like they were still doing either midnight premieres or later on a Thursday night premieres. So people were still going in cosplay. And then the shooting that happened in the Batman movie happened. And then it became a big thing of theaters didn't want people to come in costume. So like I was like watching other people cosplay at premieres, but never like never getting the guts to and then that happened and then being like really nervous about it. That one in particular felt personal because we are, you know, self-proclaimed nerds slash geeks. And these were our people attending a midnight premiere for something that they were very passionate about. And that that one hit me pretty hard when that occurred because that was, you know, again, that was my people getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Not that it makes it any any less terrible when it happens, but it just gives it a more personal slant. For sure. Um, but so on a lighter note, we already talked a little bit about con going, but I guess before we really get into that, um, like I said, at the time we're recording this, this weekend is San Diego Comic-Con. So is there anything that either of you are particularly excited about hearing news about or hoping gets announced this weekend at San Diego Comic-Con? I'm always down for anything Star Trek. Star Trek is one of my, I mean, I have a, a whole panoply of fandoms that I'm at least tangentially interested in, but Star Trek is one of my primary fandoms. Um, and it seemed like there's always a bunch of cool news out of San Diego about either new shows or when new seasons of things I love are going to drop. So I would love to hear news about, you know, the next season of Strange New Worlds or Discovery um, and things like that. And then, you know, I know this is a slightly unpopular opinion, but I'm definitely firmly in the camp of please give me more of things I love as long as you've tried to make them good. Um, and I'm really, really excited for the new Lord of the Rings TV series that's coming um, this fall. And I think there's going to be a lot of updates and news around that coming out of Comic-Con. And so I know there's there's quite a few people who are poo-pooing it and it's not, it doesn't live up to Tolkien's legacy or it's all these various other issues, which my response to that is then please don't watch it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are, those are the two things I'm the most excited for, I think. What about you, Amy? I don't know if this is anything that will even be in the realm of what is covered, but I just found out the, I, probably a little behind the times on this, but I just found out the Duffer brothers who of course headline Stranger Things have created their own studio and they have optioned the rights for The Talisman, which was written by Stephen King and Pete Straub back in the 80s. And I read that book until it fell apart when I was a kid. I had a very influential art teacher who I took private. Well, it was she taught kids uh, from ages 
eight and onward. And she taught us all sorts of things like how to drink coffee when you're six years old and <laughs> how, how some really wonderful British euphemisms for swearing. Uh, but one of the things she recommended, she was always recommending science fiction and fantasy books to me because she knew I was a voracious reader. And she told me to read The Talisman. And I am, I got a thrill when I saw that was one of the things that they are planning to make. And again, it's so early in the game, I don't know if that's even going to be touched upon, but to think that that's out there on the horizon, this piece of literature that I have loved for a redacted number of years, uh, <laughs> and to see it visualize and just to see if it matches up with what I've been imagining all of these years. So like, Heather, you were talking about main fandoms. I think right now, at least, particularly because it's also something that my boyfriend is very into, like, and because a lot of stuff is happening. um, I would say Star Wars is one of like my main fandoms. So I'm excited and happy for any news about Star Wars, because I think all that's come out so far is a teaser for Andor. So I'm assuming I'm thinking maybe we might get a longer trailer for that since that's coming out like really soon. Um, But I don't know if they'll talk about this or provide any more details about this, but I want to know about Ahsoka. I want more details about the Ahsoka show. I want to know who they're casting as Thrawn so bad. And I'm still cautiously optimistic about it. My boyfriend thinks they're going to ruin Thrawn. Because he wasn't happy with what they did in Rebels to Thrawn. And he was like, just like Rebels, they're going to make him a mustache-twirling villain. And (laughs) I've already resigned myself to it. And I'm like, okay. But I just want to know who they're going to cast. Yeah, I love any Star Wars news, too. That's that's another primary um, fandom for me. That and Harry Potter would probably be the top four. Um, Honestly, anything from Disney, also Marvel. Yeah, I guess we have a lot of things I'm interested in. <laughs> no, I do too. I like to be surprised too. I like to be clicking through my day and and picking up scuttlebutt that something is you know something huge dropped at San Diego, and then I like to backtrack and be like, "Ooh, what is it?" And then find out things after the fact because um, I'm not always plugged into that. I'm, I hit up io9 like once a week or something like that. A lot of my old. Uh, pop culture sites have changed so much since I picked them up redacted number of years ago. But I mean, we're talking, I was an early follower of the AV club, um, the Mary Sue before it was bought by a a larger, uh, you know, just, and there's been exoduses of quality authors, but I don't get my news as much as I used to when it comes to all of my fandoms and my geekdoms. And now it's just sort of a stumble upon kind of thing. I do have a couple uh, subreddits that I follow and they're like little clues. You know, I'll see the title and, and then go on the hunt from there because I don't want you to tell me. I want to go out and find it. <laughs> it's more yeah. adventurous that way. My boyfriend looks at the Star Wars subreddit every night and that's how I usually find out about Star Wars news is because he'll find the trailer likely from the Star Wars subreddit. Or like Twitter. It's like, are things trending? Is it because someone was racist? No? Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then track it down. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because some of the things that I did stop following as far as getting my fandom news um, was for a lot of those reasons. Like the as many wonderful things as there are about fandoms and inclusion and community and fun and a spirit of play and all of those things, there's there's also that element of toxicity. Um, you know, we're talking about when people don't don't like when they change things or when, you know, to, to have a black actor cast in a role that someone didn't imagine as a black person and suddenly it's a thing. So there's been there and there are certain um, news outlets where that kind of toxicity was showing itself a little bit more than others. So I've, I've unfollowed a fair few things for that reason. So um, we talked a little bit before the show that, um, I mean, longtime listeners of the show know that I am a cosplayer and a 
con goer. And then a little bit before the show, Heather had said that she's gone to conventions before. Um, so I was wondering, cause I know I have a handful of like my go-to top tips for people. Um, so what are your tips for people who are going to conventions for the first time? I know it's a little bit different now than it used to be. And I know Heather, you, you and I were talking about that. We both haven't been back since the pandemic, but some, some evergreen tips for con going. I would say, um, things I had wish I had known the first time I went. Um, and these are going to be, well, you'll see. Number one, I would say if you are even remotely inclined to wear a costume, wear it, wear your costume and you will have so much fun. The first year my husband and I went, we weren't really sure. We're like, it's a smaller con. It's right here in Rhode Island. Like maybe people don't, you know, maybe it doesn't look like what we imagine San Diego to look like and people aren't all in costume. And so we settled for like the standard, like jeans and nerd t-shirt, you know, approach. Um, but then the very next year we're like, we're doing costumes. This is too much. Like there were so many people there who looked like they were having so much fun. Um, and there's just so much, there's a lot of positivity around it for, I, I say this about Disney world too, the time we've been for the number of people there for as crowded as it gets for as hot and sweaty as you can be, um, for the amount of time you're spending on your feet for all of these factors, which you would think would lead to a lot of really bad behavior. Cons have an amazing vibe. Everyone, like Amy was saying, like we were talking about before, the energy of all of these people who love these things, being together and sharing their love of these things kind of overrides everything else. I mean, one of the first years that my husband and I went in costume, we we did just, just Jedi robes, but we, you know, we're not, neither one of us particularly crafty. So we bought the costumes. We ordered pretty nice Jedi costumes online and we wore them and they had like all the components, all the different types of tunics and the, the robe and everything. And we were just walking down the street in Providence heading toward, you know, where we were going to get in. And some guy was behind us hollering and we turned around and he said, I just need to tell you guys, you look epic. And I have never felt better about myself in my whole life. It was like such a fun, cool moment of connection with this stranger. Um, and then I, I caught a glimpse of us, by the way, in, in a big wall of windows. And we did, we looked really epic. Um, <laughs> So that's, that's my first tip. If you're even remotely inclined, if you're even remotely inclined, go for it right from jump. It's too much fun and you will have the best time. And then my other tip, and this is if, if you are able, um, you know, I'm aware that this is speaking to a certain level of privilege. Um, if you're able, get your VIP ticket, get your VIP ticket. It gets you that hour, at least at Rhode Island Comic Con, it gets you that hour early entry. So you've got like, the exhibit floor to yourself, you know, it's a quiet time to kind of like ease into things. It's not crowded. Um, and you don't have to wait in a huge line. You know, the, the first year we went, we waited so long in line to get in. And then we had, um, another year that we went this year, we did have a VIP ticket, but it just happened they had oversold it. And we ended up standing for hours in line and then were turned away. So the VIP ticket wouldn't have helped in that case, but I mean, just in general, your VIP ticket is going to save you time standing in line and give you like really good access to the first hour of the con to kind of like get a really nice, peaceful, productive start to your day. Um, and uh, bring money. Bring money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I, oh, one final thing, if there is a photo op or an autograph that you want, don't dilly dally, like definitely like pursue it, you know, go to the person's booth or whatever it is you need to do. Keep on top of it because I, and this is revealing my age and I'm perfectly fine with that. But as a child, I was an obsessive fan of Grizzly Adams um, TV show and the actor Dan Haggerty who played him uh, was at one of the first Rhode Island Comic Cons that we went to. And we just kept going to his booth at the wrong time and kind of missing it. And then we decided we would just catch him the next day. He ended up not being able to come the next day. And then he passed away before the next Comic Con. So that's my very sad story, tale of caution. Get your autographs and your photo ops because you just never know. Definitely. 
Um, so I think, yeah, I think mine are more for, well, I have one tip that's for people who aren't necessarily cosplaying more about etiquette around cosplayers, which is, well, first the opposite, obvious is cosplay is not consent. Please don't touch people without asking, um, in any way, please don't touch their stuff without asking. I know the props look really cool, but they probably worked on them for a long time and you don't know how fragile they are. And if you break them, that will make someone very, very sad. So that's a one-way ticket to ruin someone's con experience. Um, but a kind of sub, like 1A to this that I feel like gets talked a lot about by cosplayers, but I don't know if everyone who goes to cons is necessarily conscious of it, is please ask before you take photos. We can see you with your phone up, standing there, taking a picture of us. We see you. And if you would come up to us and just said, hey, can I have a photo with you? Unless I'm like in the middle of shoving a cheeseburger in my mouth or something, the answer is probably going to be yes. And if I am in the middle of shoving a cheeseburger or something in my mouth, the answer is probably going to be like, when I finish this cheeseburger, yes. Um, So... Just ask, please don't take creepy shots from a distance. Please don't take shots of people sitting on the floor while they're resting or while they're eating from a distance. Um, All of that is stuff that I've seen happen to people. um, And a little bit of it has happened to myself, not really while sitting down and resting, but, you know, just seeing people from a distance getting a shot from you when they very easily could have came up and said, hey, um, I'd love to take a picture with you. Um, So please... 99% of the time, cosplayers are going to be happy to take a photo for you, with you. Um, Just go up and ask. And then uh, my second tip would be for all the cosplayers out there, think about the comfort of your cosplay before you go to the convention. If it's mildly annoying to you now, trying it on at home, it will be the most annoying thing on the planet, 8 to 10 hours in having been on the con floor, um, especially your shoes. Take it from someone who learned the hard way. Make sure you wear comfortable shoes. Go-go boots from the party store are not comfortable shoes. And you will be walking barefoot through the Prudential Center with blisters. Um, So make sure your footwear is comfortable. Make sure if anything about your cosplay is really annoying to you that you fix it so that it's not and make sure that your cosplay is easy to get in and out of, easy to sit. I'm, I know some people who do big builds are happy to sacrifice that and I know some people with big builds usually don't wear their cosplay for as long. So, but I guess these are all things to be aware of. You don't want to get to the convention and be like, I have no way to go to the bathroom or I have no way to really sit down comfortably um, because I take up three chairs with, you know, this big armor build or whatever. My time enjoying conventions has improved exponentially when I prioritize my comfort, when I pick my cosplay lineup and put cosplays together. So that's the big thing for me. I've never attended a con, but I have won a tinfoil hat contest. I used, oh, to, yeah? I used to attend the 24-hour Boston Science Fiction Movie Marathon. And for the past I'm at least 10 years, it has been at home in the Somerville Theater in Somerville, Massachusetts. And it occurred to me that while I haven't attended a con, this is a very similar experience with a smaller recurring family because when you said line friends earlier, it brought me right back. This is exactly what we call the people because we would get there at six o'clock in the morning. Granted, this is always president's day weekend. So there's probably snow on the ground because we are (laughs) in Boston and we bundle up, we'd have chairs, we'd have hand warmers and we wanted to be as close to the front of that line as we could get. And there was, always two guys in a tent who would beat us annually because they would spend the (laughs) night. But they had, they used to do all sorts of costume contests and other contests. But one year I went with a particularly enthusiastic group of friends and we entered the tinfoil hat contest as a group and we were space Vikings. And I 
believe that was one of my crowning moments was to be able to go on stage at this beautiful uh, at this beautiful restored theater with the red velvet curtain and the wood stage and be wearing a tinfoil Viking helmet with antennas sticking out of it with a bunch of other weirdos wearing tinfoil Viking helmets and roaring at the crowd that we were see them in Valhalla. <laughs> but our, our tips for that were, were probably very similar in terms of comfort level. You know, we, we dressed to be watching movies for 24 hours. So you're in for the long haul, uh, healthy snacks and hydration which also I think can transfer over well to a con experience. You don't want to entirely kill your system with sugar, et cetera, because you're in it for the long haul and the more hydrated you are, the more fun you're going to have because you're not going to get the gross headache six hours in and everything is terrible and nothing is fun anymore. And then just being good neighbors to people. We had a schedule. So we get there at six at seven o'clock. We'd go to Dunkin' Donuts for coffee at eight o'clock, we'd go to Starbucks for bathrooms and everybody in line had their line friends who would watch their, watch your chairs for you, watch your blankets for you. And that sense of neighborliness and community and even family, because we were with these people for literally 24 hours and we'd see them year after year and you start to recognize them. And that, like you were saying, that, uh, that ability to shout out to somebody who you had connected with earlier is just such a fantastic feeling. Yeah. And, and you brought up two great tips that I've forgotten about, which is, yeah, to take care of yourself by drinking water and remembering to eat. I know cosplayers, you get so caught up in going here, there and everywhere, photo shoots, meetups, all kinds of things. But really, again, making the time to take care of yourself and your needs is just going to increase your experience uh, and add to it. No one has fun when one person is hangry. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes self-care looks like tater tots at the Rhode Island Convention Center, you know? <laughs> I want that on like an inspirational background, like an inspirational quote. In that beautiful calligraphy hand. Yes. Yes, they do. They have magnificent tater tots is all I'm saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we end the show with a segment I call The Last Chapter, where we talk about a library or bookish related question. And I thought since we were talking all about fangirling over things and going to conventions that I would ask you both, have you ever had a crush on a book character? And if so, who? Oh, no. (laughs) This is a very revealing question. Gosh. I have not. I'm scanning through my mind. Honestly, okay, so... I've never read the comic books, but I'm going to call it on a technicality because the comic book exists. So even though I only know Captain America from the films, it's Captain America. It's Cap all the way for me. Yeah. Solid yep. choice. He's just, he's just so good, you know, and honest and brave. And he's a hero in his heart and in his soul before he ever gets the super soldier serum, you know? He's just, when he jumps on that grenade to save everyone's life, I'm just, it's a swoon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this could stay in the show, but I'm going to share it to both of you. Um, in the before times, I went to a nerdy themed burlesque show, oh, which, in, which included I've... one boylesque performer who did Link, and then he also did Captain America. And after watching that Captain America routine, he was also very handsome. I was like, I can die happy now. (laughs) (laughs) Go to one of those. That is a thing that you can catch at cons sometimes, because I did also go to one at a con before, which was okay. The one I went to um, in Providence was definitely the better one than the one I went to at Kineticon. All right, I've got my answer. I was going to say, I gave you time, Amy. You, you gave me time. Uh, <laughs> it's It's got to be the Darkling from Shadow and Bone. Shadow. Oh, okay. Even before they cast uh, Ben Barnes as the actor in the Netflix series, it's just a very magnetic character, and he's written to be very compelling and mysterious and all those things that you want that you're not supposed to have. 
that that's the one that that jumps out immediately. It was like, oh, right. And then they went and they inserted the perfect actor into the role. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I we I think I said this before when we had this question. Um, I feel like as a teenager, I was very susceptible to like the the teen YA fantasy or dystopian fiction heartthrob like I was team Edward all the way and book Jace in the Mortal Instruments I thought was very um attractive in how much he you know was into the protagonist and and um you know let his hard harsh exterior down for her and all of that um the person they cast when they made the show wasn't exactly my type but book Jace <laughs> was good but yeah I felt like I was if 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 the author was trying to you know make you buy this relation relationship I was I was into it I was I was swooning all over all the swoon worthy boys in YA fantasy but yeah so thank you both for joining me um, and thank you everyone for listening if you'd like to tell us about your book character crush and we won't read those on the show i promise uh you can email us at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org and you can also reach out to us via social media with the hashtag downtime cpl if you're feeling generous please rate and review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it helps people find the show and once again Thank you for listening. And this has been another episode of Downtime. Downtime is a project of the Cranston Public Library and is produced by Zach Berger, Nomi Hay, Robin Nazio, and me, Taylor Cardillo. Audio engineering by Dave Bartos. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. And our ad music is Happy Ukulele by Scott Holmes. Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. Remember to rate and review Downtime on Apple Podcasts. Connect with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. And if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, send an email to downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. Join us next week for more Downtime. Speaking of which, it's an absolute monsoon outside my library right now. So if I disappear, um, I'm just not confident in our, our power. <laughs>